Hey, you. Thanks for tapping in to another episode of the Untapped Keg Podcast, where we explore different perspectives into sobriety and mental health so that you can take something, implement it into your own life, where we believe there's only one right, one right way to sobriety, and that's the way that works for you. I'm RJ Zimmerman, and I am very excited to be joined by Diana Fornaris, life coach special, who specializes in relationships and codependency. How are you doing today, Diana? I'm doing great. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm very, I'm very excited for this episode. I've been looking forward to it since uh, we talked to last. And yeah. let's start off with giving some the people a little bit of a background on yourself. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say thank you again, just for starting this podcast. I think it's so amazing what you're doing. I'm so just honored to be to be here speaking to your audience and whoever's listening and yeah a little bit about me um I come from a background of needing life coaching and I went through quite a time in my 20s where I you know started as you know right out of college I was working as a child life specialist in a pediatric rehab hospital and that, you know, ultimately it, it was great. It felt good, but there was just this part of me that felt so misaligned with it. And then I started, you know, I entered a relationship that was misaligned. Um, I spent years in that, just not in my full authentic expression. And eventually it led to having a mental breakdown and I was diagnosed bipolar um, with psychosis, and I was also diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And during that time, I was heavily using marijuana, getting drunk on the weekends, um, and it just, it was a lifestyle that I knew in my heart didn't feel like me, and that I knew that there was another way. I just didn't know how yet. And so I started, you know, after getting this diagnosis of bipolar, I started getting involved with, you know, what is the root cause of this? Because, you know, the, the psychiatrists were telling me, you're going to be on medication for your whole life. This is it. You know, this is your story. Um, and then I, I really delved into getting to the root cause of it all. And I, I sought out coaching, um, to make a long story short, and ultimately felt just the amazing benefit of receiving coaching and decided after, you know, years of being in as a personal trainer, I shifted into personal training for six years after the mental breakdown and then ultimately decided that the best part of the sessions that I was having with people was so much deeper than, than the, than the physical. It was really more about what was going on at home? What were what was behind the the desire to want to lose ten pounds or to have a bigger butt or like you know all these outer things? Like we started getting to the heart of it. You know, I really started getting to the heart of things with my clients as well, and realized that I wanted to become a life coach and I wanted to you know really seek out getting getting coached and being able to coach others and so I joined Life Coaching Academy which is a six-month program it's amazing and so life-changing and they teach you the business of coaching and the practice of it where I learned inquiry method I, I specialize in that now and somatic release and it was yeah it took me on a journey that now I get to take others on 
And so now I work virtually. I help people who um, specifically, you know, I, I help, I can, I love helping everybody, but I really have noticed that I'm, my, my niche and where I specialize in is helping people break free from codependency and patterns of addiction in love and in relationship, you know, breaking free from toxic relationships, breaking free from the people-pleasing paradigm, which is, you know, something that I struggled with for a really long time. And so it's, it's amazing that I get to do this work now, and I feel so lucky. And I love, yeah, it just feels so, so exciting to me that I get to do this work. And, um, yeah, and it's led me to amazing places. And I, I got my yoga teacher training out in Bali. And um, and then it brought me back to the States. And I realized I, as much as I love living near family, I, I was seeking something else. And so I started on a journey of exploring and seeing what places felt right for me and ultimately landed in Santa Cruz, where I, where I, on, on this journey of, um, you know, self-love ended up magnetizing an amazing, incredible, healthy, masculine man who, you know, and, yeah. um, <clears throat> and yeah. the audience probably knows cause he's been a big guest a few times. Yeah, Jake. And he's, yeah, we just, it's been an incredible journey meeting him, falling in love and experiencing a really healthy relationship dynamic. And I love getting to help others with that now. And yeah, I'm, I'm completely off of medication. I'm, I've, I've really healed the root of what was causing that, that mental polarity in me where I was really having those really high moments and those really low moments. And I'm, I've been on the sober journey as well. I'm now five months sober as of January 15th, which feels Congratulations. so Thank you. Yeah. It feels so good. I feel so clear. And yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> and your journey, like I like to tell, you know, so many people, and that's the reason that I say the only right reason to, or the only right way to sobriety is the way for you, mm -hmm. because everybody's journey is so unique. Yeah. However, through that uniqueness, the parallels that happen where you're just, you're walking the same path, but there's so many trees in the forest that you can't see people like next to you, right? right? So you feel like you're alone. But when you start to talk about your stories, it's like, wow, yours is so different. But at the same time, we have so much in common. I so agree. Well, for example, when I went to my first MA meeting, I could not believe, first of all, just how many people experience addiction to marijuana and what what a range of people experience that. Like there were people who were, you know, there was a, a girl who was 14 there. There was also a, a man who was 80, like everybody no one is you know immune to the the pull of these substances and what they can seem to provide for us and it was yeah it was really eye-opening to see just how many people I felt I totally felt um felt that that feeling of like I'm not alone I'm so not alone in this but it was easy at first to feel like I was you know yeah absolutely yeah. and I was in, I was in a meeting, um, with some, you know, a group that I facilitate mm -hmm. and somebody brought up 
because what I call, you know, what I call addiction is, you know, escapism. Like you're looking to escape life and it becomes like, that is a coping mechanism, but it becomes to, it comes to a point where it affects your life negatively. Somebody brought up, um, I believe it's Laura McCowan, um, uses this phrase and it like encapsulate it, encapsulates it in such a tight, neat package, ritualized comfort seeking. And I'm like, mm, that yeah. is what we should be calling this. Like the it's escapism, okay. addiction, everything. It, it <laughs> ritualized comfort seeking. Can we just sit with that? Wow. It, it, you're right. It perfectly encapsulates what that is. And, and it's so interesting because toward the end of my journey with, you know, smoking marijuana, I, it, it totally started as something that was comfort. Right. But like in the yes. end, it was so my, I remember my last high, I felt like I was literally going through my own personal hell. Like it felt so unreg dysregulating and uncomfortable. So it was like, yeah, just the perfect example of like, yes, these substances claim to provide or seem to provide comfort at first, but really as they become a ritual, it's so much less comforting. Yeah. <laughs> it can actually produce more anxiety. And when we dig underneath what we believe we're getting from it, you start to see that truth. And something that you said that parallels that, that I th- is the reason that, you know, this podcast shifted from just talking about sobriety to really focusing on sobriety and mental health yeah. is your bipolar disorder diagnosis and how the psychiatrists were like, well, this is your life. This is how you're going to be. Wow. And how you kind of took that and was like, no, this is a part of my story, but that this isn't me just gives me an understanding of me oh yeah it was such a journey it was such a journey to get to this place because for a long time I did take that in as my story that was me I had bipolar I even had like a blog about it I I even went on a podcast about it and I and I talked about how important you know the medication was and how this is like a lifelong thing and it's okay and it was it was it was okay and I will say like I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that medi- medication is not valuable it is yeah. and it totally has its purpose and it did have a purpose in my life at that time I totally needed it and that story of this is it for life is so it, it, it's so easy to take that in and I, I just want to like really relate to whoever is listening that like there's so much more to the story than a diagnosis, you know? Yeah. There's so much more. There's so much more. And when I when I sat down, I, I so specifically remember I was just coming off of being, you know, having a manic psychotic episode. You know, I was I was writing a lot. I was having these grandiose thoughts. I was feeling so high, so good. And, um, and I just remember like feeling like hearing them say, yeah, you have bipolar. And I was like, no way, like, no way. There's gotta be more. And I even felt in that moment, like, (laughs) and it was a little bit of a twisted thought at the time, but I was like, 
it's everyone around me who's messed up, you know, like I was like so convinced that like, it can't just be this, like there's more to this story here. And there was, there was so much more. And it was like, it's a product of being such a sensitive soul living in a world that is so like hyper masculine, hyper focused on producing and being and proving your worth. And I totally grew up in that paradigm. And so, you know, getting that diagnosis and sitting there in front of those psychiatrists, I totally was like, wow, well, this is it. I'm going to be taking lithium and lamictal for the rest of my life. And I started on that journey. I was sober for like three months. And then, you know, my ex at the time was smoking a lot. And I was like, oh, let me just, you know, have a little bit more again. And then I got right back into it and totally fell back into the ups and downs totally, you know, went through weeks of depression, weeks where, where I was feeling pretty good. And then, and then finally I realized what, what was, what was missing was a listening to my body and, and my deep intuitive sense. And that like, I was so not following my intuition and my intuition was screaming for me to not live in the environment I was living in choose a different partner like there was nothing in my life at that time that was like me and what began as you know I I navigated this journey what began as like my sacred space was my yoga practice and I remember I did do you know who yoga with Adrian is do you know I've heard but I haven't like watched any of it She's incredible. She has these like 30 day series on YouTube, all on YouTube, all for free. And I did one, I signed up and I was like, I'm going to, you know, commit to showing up on on my mat 30 days in a row. And that totally changed my life. And I, that, that yoga mat every day, whether it was like 10 minute practice, 30 minute practice, that was like my me time, my time where I didn't have to think about what do other people want or what, how can I, you know, make sure everyone's okay. You know, I was so in that codependent people pleasing cycle and it just felt so good to have that time for me. And then I realized, you know, through my daily yoga practice, just, I started getting more in tune with my body. I started working on, you know, healing my throat, you know, with my thyroid issue, my throat chakra. And then ultimately realized how I needed to, to leave the situation I was in. And it was a really hard decision, the hardest decision of my life and the best one because it freed not only me, but him, you know, we were both in that, in that codependent dance and in a very unhealthy dynamic and doing that, you know, yes, it was hard. Yes. I fell into another, you know, depressive episode. I felt anxious. I felt depressed. It was hard, but like, that was the catalyst. And I knew, I knew in that moment that there was a glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel that like, I could make this happen. I could make it work. And so I moved back to my childhood home and I started from scratch and I started working there. I started, you know, I I was living with family, which was both such a blessing and also hard at times, right? Like after living away from family for so long and then moving back at age 20, uh, seven, you know, I was, I was just like, wow, you know, it's, it was, it was actually so beautiful. It was so beautiful because I learned so much, so much about my family, so much about myself. And through that experience, you know, eventually, you know, started just really listening more and more to my intuition, 
that I wanted to, you know, quit the nine to five gym job, that I wanted to, you know, work with people virtually, that I wanted to become a life coach. I started saying these things aloud. I started trusting myself. And then working with a life coach who helped me, you know, get off of my medication. And this is something that I really want to share from like a space of like, it was a really grounded decision. And I want, I, you know, I I think it can be easy to be like, I'm just going to, you know, get off my meds, but like doing it in a way that's really grounded and like having the right support around you is so important when, you know, working with any medication, um, but yeah, ultimately got off my medication, realized all of my codependent patterns, all of the ways that I was creating this dysfunction in my body and ultimately in my mind and um, healed, healed it. And I feel so grateful for all the experiences I've had. And it was such a journey. But yeah, I don't I, I no longer feel bipolar. I no longer have depressive or manic episodes. Sure, there's the occasional, you know, anxiety and depression, right? That's so human. Um, but there's so much more acceptance and allowance and flow with it. And I now have the tools to work through it. And I think having the tools is huge when um, dealing with any mental health issue. And and just like, and like you said, like, yeah, I can feel like you're alone, but like, you're just so not alone in this. Like, there are so many people out there who I would argue everybody has some sort of thing they're they're working with or dealing with or that they've had to work through mentally. And it's just so important to get support, right? Like get yeah. the support. Yeah. So that was a, a, yeah, a bit about my journey with that. And that was, you know, I think a really great, um, path that you laid out for people to not just have their diagnosis be uh you know be a sentence that this yeah. is what you know like I'm trying to think what like a prison sentence basically yeah right? Right. yeah and I've, I've seen that with ADHD where I got diagnosed no the thing about ADHD is I got diagnosed knew I had it right got diagnosed mm-hmm. at 33 and this is the thing that like when I look back and I look at it now and I ask people this and it drives me crazy. Mm. I got no pamphlet about symptoms, how ADHD shows up. Okay. I got no, Hey, here's some resources you can check out so you can learn more about your ADHD. I got mm. none of that. Yeah. I was just, okay. Um, you want to start, do you want to start medication or is this something you want to do therapy through? Let's do both. Okay. What kind of medication would you like? Okay. Walk down that. All Ooh. right you know, thank you for coming in. So I left with the stereotypes of distractibility. Like, you know, sometimes I have too much going on in my head, so I can't think of things coming to my mind. Like I thought that was it. As I learn more about ADHD, and this is where people are like, oh, you know, you're using that as an excuse. I'm like, no, I'm letting you know how my brain is wired. Because that's what this is. It's not a diagnosis that like, this is where I'm stuck. It's an understanding that my brain is wired this way so I can use it to lean into things that maybe would be a challenge for me and I can make it easier because I'm not going to do it the same way you do it. Right. You have the knowledge. Yes. 
and yeah. building that understanding. And when I learn more about like the symptoms and how it shows up, it's like, oh, yeah. this is why I struggle with that. Oh, this is how I can make my house laid out in a way that it works better for me. And I'm not stressed because I'm looking for things all the time. Right. Like that, oh. that understanding that you can get. Right. And then digging, like you said, digging into the roots and like where you've seen this show up and getting mm-hmm. that understanding that, oh, this is why, you know, in my life, I have struggled with things that other people have said was easy, but I've struggled, but I had to keep it quiet because I couldn't let you know that it was a struggle for me. Yes, exactly. You hit it on the head. And I, I I really appreciate you sharing that about your experience with medicine, because that was exactly my experience too. The first time that I started taking medication, and this was prior to my bipolar diagnosis, I was, you know, I just started like working in Baltimore, living in Baltimore after I finished my internship post-college. I was, you know, living alone. I was, well, living with roommates, but like, you know, just like really like doing life independently and, you know, working the nine to five in the hospital. And I just felt so depressed. And I went to a family practitioner that I saw literally once. (laughs) First time I saw her, she asks me a few questions writes me a prescription for Zoloft. Boom, out the door. That was it. There was no, yeah, like you said, there was no, hey, you know, why don't you go see this person for therapy? Why don't you go, you know, explore this book or like resource or group, support group? None of that. Here's Zoloft, go take it. So I started taking Zoloft, felt amazing. (laughs) And it's funny because this is a real indicator of like of a bipolar diagnosis is like when when people go from taking Zoloft and then feeling amazing immediately, like and getting into a manic episode that can often lead to um, a a bipolar diagnosis. And so that's exactly what happened for me. I started taking Zoloft. I was feeling amazing. And I was like, wow, I don't even need this anymore. You know, and I started weaning off myself. And then that was when I had, you know, the, the episode of psychosis. And it was, yeah, it was, it was frightening at the time. And yeah, um, yeah it was, I didn't understand it. And yeah, I just think back on that and I'm like, wow, how under-resourced I was, how, how, how I didn't, you know, like just how I didn't realize what was available to me, the support and the, and the resources and what Western medicine really pushes is like, yeah, just walk out the door with a script. You're good. And here's who you are for the rest of your life. Like not even like this doesn't just, this is an explanation for some of the things in your life. No, this is who you are. Yes. And it, and it, it ultimately felt to me like a bandaid solution, you know, Mm -hmm. like what are we, what can, can we actually get to the root of this and what what's causing this and and maybe medication still is necessary you know that's okay but like I wanted to know like what how did this happen or what's the what's the you know what what's what more can I do for this you know yeah yeah and something that you mentioned along your story was coming into understanding your intuition and then Mm -hmm. listening to your intuition and Um, for people out there who they hear that they're like, I just, I hear that word all the time. I think that it's a little bit woo woo. I think that it's a little bit out there. 
Could you, when you say intuition, what do you mean by that? Yeah, great question. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think that's a common question and wondering. When I say intuition, I mean like that deep feeling, knowing that we get when something doesn't feel right or when something feels like a full body yes. And it's like, you can call it like that gut feeling or, you know, when people say like, oh, I just felt like the message to just do it, you know, um, that's kind of what I'm, I'm hinting at or referring to. And the developing of that really began with, with a, a deep spiritual movement practice, like pairing movement and breath with what was coming up in my body. Like I would, I would really start doing yoga and like, listening to like what thoughts would come up when I do this stretch or what you know what feeling what what emotion comes up when I'm in downward dog like why am I so angry when I do upper body work I I would get like so angry with upper body work and I realized how much tension and anger I would hold in my chest and my arms and it was a lot of you know the work I did with boxing with people you know yeah yeah and so and another piece I want to share too for all the women out there listening is like following I when I started you know following my monthly cycle and really getting in tune with where I was at and what that meant for me physically emotionally mentally was a game changer and similar to you with like ADHD it it helped me get the right tools and knowledge to share like what was going on during different times like of course I'm going to be more you know mellow and maybe a little depressed during my menstrual phase and then when I'm ovulating of course I'm more you know excited about life high on life hyper excited you know and learning about that really helped me start balancing it all out and 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 also helping me get in touch with my intuition and my body and my feeling in my body and I totally feel and this is something I've worked on with my coach is like feeling our emotions in our body like he always asks like where do you feel that? And, and how, what's like the physical quality of it? What, what does that bring up in you? What emotional quality does it have? And, and it's just so good to note because emotions totally live in the body. And if we can get really in tune with our physical, it's, that's, that's the stuff of intuition. That's the stuff of feeling knowing because I feel like our society, our culture is so mental body focused and like, let's think it through and be logical. It's like, that's great in certain circumstances and that's useful but there's also this intuitive sense that we all hold and that we all have access to and yeah for me it was like a daily checking in with my body and that's what really helped me Mm -hmm. I'm curious do you have a practice with that or do you have something that you do with your intuition so I I love how you define that Mm. and the reason I ask is because how I, cause I have developed, you know, some intuition inside and it's not something that I'm constantly tapped into, but it's something that I can get more often. And yeah. how I've described it is when you start to build that mind body relationship and you start to understand what your body's telling you, that's when you tap into that intuition because yeah. your body is taking in 
what is going on. And when your brain starts to listen to what your body's saying, that is when you can have this knowing that, oh, I don't want to go to this place right now. I want to go to this one. And you start to have these coincidental things that happen. Coincidental, right? right? (laughs) And that to me is like intuition is like, and that's what you described to me was, um, you know, that mind body connection and listening to your body so that you start to act in tune with your body and your mind at the same time. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. Be, before earlier, you mentioned that your yoga practice really started to unlock that for you. Yeah. And it was exactly the same for me where I started doing yoga. I started doing some Tai Chi and Kung Fu and really mm-hmm. getting my body to a place where I was getting back in shape, but I wasn't doing it to get in shape. I was doing it so that my body would move how I wanted it to. Yeah. And that practice and then understanding emotions and feelings and like the somatic experience that you're talking about somatic is really just the physical sensations you have in your body Mm -hmm. that's what that means right Mm -hmm. exactly and exactly what you said like my shoulders they used to be like you know up here (laughs) and like honestly and now now I look and I'm like oh my shoulders are way more relaxed easier (laughs) and for people who are like well you know, I don't, I don't feel these emotions in my body. It's like, it's because your body has so much there that in order for your mind to actually listen to your body, it has to be so strong that it has to get through all that noise. Ooh, really well. So yeah. yeah, and, And like, that was when I started to take the noise away, that was when I started to be able to listen to it more. And quick exercise for people like if you really think like oh you know how my body is it has no bearing on my mood two things you can do real quick I'll give you three actually <laughs> you know feel feel your shoulders like we're talking about and just relax them like actively relax your shoulders right move them around get them so they're nice and relaxed right and you sit with it now how's your breathing is it fast and slow or fast and shallow Okay, let's slow it down a little bit deeper. And then your jaw. Move it around a little bit. Feel those muscles there and just relax it a little bit. I love those practices. Those are it, beautiful. And it's just, it's something really quick. What was that, 30 seconds? And how do you feel after that? Amazing. I It's funny. And when you even like I do this, too. But like when you said the jaw, I was like, oh, I'm holding a little tension here. <laughs> you know, let me relax that. Like I hold yes. so much my jaw. And there's another Same. thing I'd love to share with whoever's listening is like the tongue, too. It's interesting to to just notice like what, what your tongue is doing on a date on the day to day. Like, can you just relax your tongue in your mouth, too? And like that comes with jaw relaxation, too. But that's just another way to kind of check in and where we often hold tension and it's so interesting like our bodies are so wise like we can trust our bodies like I think you know people think we need to really use our mental energy to process and think through things but often we can just go to our body and our bodies will tell us and know exactly if if some if a certain situation is feeling right or if something's feeling like a yes or if it's feeling like a no and like our bodies know how to breathe and 
our hearts know how to beat themselves. We don't have to think about it. And if you can just hold that knowing of like, our bodies know how to function on all these levels. Don't you think that there's some wisdom there to be listened to? Don't you think that there's some knowing and some deep cellular level knowing that can be accessed and tapped into when we, you know, really listen and sit still. And I think sitting still is really hard for a lot of people. It was hard for me for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. It still is really hard for me. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like, a lot of times for me to get still, I have to be standing. I, I can't be sitting, which is okay, right? That really? everybody has their own way of getting there. And that's, I think that's what a frustrating part is people think and they see that, oh, I need to sit cross-legged and have my back to straight. a point where my, yeah. And my, my mind has to be clear. And the truth is like, in specifically like meditation or like sitting still, Meditation isn't getting your mind clear. Meditation is looking at your thoughts. That's it. Amen to that. hundred percent. It's not a way to escape life or like check out for a few and get peace and Zen. It's like, it's actually just to to look at the parts of ourselves that need looking at to like hear what aspect of ourselves is really speaking up and needing love. And yeah, I love what you shared about, you know, not being able to sit for meditation. You know, my my meditation teacher when during my yoga teacher training in Bali, he he taught us, and he's an incredible teacher. He he learned from Osho, and he told us, you know, the 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 modern mind is is not it's not so easy for the modern mind to just sit and drop into meditation, and that's why he really promotes shaking and dance. Mm-hmm before even attempting to sit, you know, and, and, and even that's what in, yoga is. Yeah. Right. Is movement. Yeah. And so, yeah, just to share, like if, if whoever's listening has ever heard of like shaking, like shaking is simply just like literally shaking your body and like shaking out, like imagine like shaking off like a bug that's on your skin or, you know, like it, it can be really a powerful tool to release, to let energy and emotion move through your body and it can be a really great way to implement, um, yeah, just movement and into your day and, and to release stuck energy. Yes. And something that you mentioned earlier, too, that I, I wanted to touch on was how you um, talked about we think that we need to be up in our minds all the time, right? And if you just if you listen to your body how much you can get from that and to piggyback off of that, how much energy you free up inside of yourself when you start to listen to your body and what it's telling you and you stop using all of your power in your mind, like you have this Mm -hmm. sustained energy level throughout the day. And a lot of it is because you're saving energy by being more efficient with how you're moving through life. I so agree and so feel that. I remember so many instances in my life where I was trying to control the outcome, use my mental energy to make things happen or, you know, make the move happen or make things work with, you know, where I was living and that never worked. You know, what really worked was, and this might sound crazy to some people, but I'll just share is 
I felt this strong calling to go on a solo road trip out west. And I felt like it was illogical. I felt like, you know, I questioned it. I, I really sat with it. And I was like, why am I getting this full body feel to go explore like the West and California and Oregon? And I was like, what is this about? And I sat with it and I listened to my body and it was a full body yes for me. But my mind was like, wait, do you have enough money? Wait, can your 2011 Honda Civic with 185,000 miles make it? And I was just like, I'm going to listen to my body on this one and see how it goes. And I literally had the most amazing, magical experience of my life. And that's how I met Jake. That's how I got sober. And I, by the way, I got sober before I met Jake. He was a great help on the journey. But I, I just want to share that, that that actually came first. And I truly am so glad that that did because I felt that my sober journey really opened me up to more. And it really cleared the way, cleared the space. For, for love to come in and yeah the road trip was incredible and it led me here to where I'm living now and I fully feel that that listening to my body um was a huge was a huge factor in that yeah yeah have you had moments like that where you've just kind of had to ignore the brain for a moment <laughs> yes um They've been smaller moments, right, that have added up to be really important. And there's been more than a few times where I'm headed to a cafe that I I have like a rotation of cafes that I go work at <laughs> because ADHD, you work better with other people around you doing different stuff it's called body doubling. Like this is a real thing. So me working in isolation is like somebody else working in a really busy place and they can't focus. Like the movement around me, like it does, it's hard to describe, but it doesn't actually distract me. It helps me get my work done. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I, I'm not 100% sure what, what is behind that. I'm, there's smarter people out there with more knowledge that do know, but um, mm -hmm. I'll be headed to one and I'll just get this, this mm, this feeling of I don't want to be there right now yeah. and so I went to another one and this was small and I I know the owners at this place because I've been there so often <laughs> and um <laughs> one of them he was working and so I, I you know I started talking to him and you know he knows about the work that I do as a alcohol-free life coach and he knows um a, a little bit about my journey actually a lot of it about my journey and he opened up to me because, um, you know, a family member of his had just gotten a cancer diagnosis and he had just started a 60 day, um, sober, like experiment where he wanted to go 60 days and see how it felt, see if it wanted to was something of a uh, part of his life. And I was just, I was there. There was nobody else there in the cafe except for me and him. And I was just there for him to be able to talk about this stuff. And it was like, and yeah. he had just started that and he was, you know, so it was a couple of different things. Like he was really wow. proud of that. And then he wanted like getting, talking about that and getting support. And it was like, okay, I, this is, this is why I was pulled to be here today. Oh. 
That is it, the perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's those little moments where it's like, why did I not want to go to this cafe? Because I like that place. I get a lot of work done, but I just had this feeling of, no, you don't want to go there. You want to go to this other one. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I'm just going to listen to it, see what happens. Wow. Sure enough. Way to listen to it. Have you always felt in tune with that part of you? No. Like this is this is something I'm still cultivating because I'm still moving through a lot of the noise that's inside my body. There's still some that is there. Um, and sometimes it's still kind of tough for me to tap into that mind body connection. Um, and a little bit of that is just how quick and easy it is for ADHD to disassociate and like how long I've done that for. So I'm still working through some of that, some of the other stuff, but when I do listen to it, when I get to a place where I'm, I'm feeling that connection being um, really strong. Like I try to, okay, how is this feeling right now? And, you know, getting into a little bit of nuance, and this is a part of my 12 week self-discovery after alcohol courses, the difference between discomfort and uncomfortable when you get to um, healing and growing. And Mm -hmm. I found this out because you go through it, you're healing, you're growing, you're making different decisions, you're showing up differently. So you're told it's going to be uncomfortable, right? You're going to be uneasy. There's going to be discomfort along the growth. So I started to feel uncomfortable um, how I was showing up in life and some of the people that I allowed around me and I put myself in and I was like, well, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be uncomfortable to grow through this. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then I was in a few situations and I felt that discomfort. And in those situations, good things were happening. Like I was growing, I was healing. I was noticing me being triggered and showing up differently than just following those triggers And I realized, oh, there's a difference between these two feelings. Uncomfortable is I'm abandoning myself. I'm betraying myself. I'm putting myself in situations that I don't actually want to be in, right? And I'm not in alignment with who I want to be, how I want to live. Discomfort is showing up how I want to show up. It's moving through situations differently. It's being aligned with my values and living the life that I want to live. And sometimes that is uneasy, but it's discomfort and uncomfortable is still uneasy, but that is not where I want to be. And so I define That's how I define those two words differently and how I've felt them show up differently in me too. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's really powerful. It can, I really resonated with what you said about the healing journey. It can be, yeah, the discomfort you feel is different than putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. And that discomfort you feel, it's often, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but like a result for me, at least of like, 
being showing up as my authentic self and wondering, will I be judged? Will I be rejected for this? Yeah. Will I be accepted in my mean meanness? Right. Cause that's a lot of what addiction and substances does. It kind of numbs us to, it allows, could allow us to be someone a bit different or act different or let loose and it's like when we can actually just show up as our sober authentic self it can be yeah it can be a little scary oh yeah yeah oh yeah and the thing that I've learned about that that you're talking about am I going to be accepted am I going to you know being me is this going am I going to be judged and this is a lesson that you have to learn a few times in order to accept it. And I, I want, I'm sure you've learned this too, is what it does, the we showing up as yourself is, is the quickest way of showing you who should be in your life, who Amen. should be around you. Right. Yes, exactly. So it's like, as much as it sucks sometimes to feel rejection or, you know, feel like people don't quite understand or aren't um, feeling aligned. It's such a gift. It's such a gift. Like life's rejection is God's protection is what I like to mm. say. It's like, it's, it's totally a redirect God, universe, nature, however you want to, you know, relate to that source energy. It's like, it's just a redirect to more alignment, more people who are more in, in tune with what you have to share and who can um, really show up for you in the ways that you are wanting. And yeah, that's, so interesting and such a part of the healing journey Mm. and there's so much of our conversation that we've had where even a year ago I would have had a hard time grasping what we're talking about here like yeah there's so many things about this that is experiential and more difficult to just like explain like this is how it's going to be this is and you know just trust trust us this is how it's (laughs) right and what I can tell people is just opening your mind to trying something new leads you to things that you never thought would benefit your life And sometimes those things that you never thought would benefit your life are the things that you have been missing from your life and you didn't understand what it was that has been missing from your life. You just know that something's missing. Yes. Yes. It opens so much up. And when, yeah, when you can be open to the new, to the different, to the woo woo. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) it's kind of amazing. And, and it's like, take it with a grain of salt, right? Like take what works for you, take and leave what doesn't. Like you said at the beginning, right? It's like your journey and it gets to be yours, unique, special to you. And what works for me might not work for everybody. What works for you might not work for everybody, but like we're all in this life together and we're figuring it out. And yeah, there's not, there's no one, one right way. Yeah. And what I like to tell people about this is like when I discovered a willingness to be wrong, Mm. that is when 
things really started to take shape in my life in a way that I could show up as myself, show up as this RJ, right? Yeah. And if you think about it, if you try something that you're like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, but let's try it and see what's the worst that's going to happen. You're not going to like it. It doesn't really work for you. So you go back to doing things how you were. So be nothing it. to lose. Literally nothing. nothing to lose. Literally nothing. Exactly. Yeah. People can get so, I think, afraid. And I, I was once there of like looking at these pieces of ourselves or like really facing some of this work, this deep inner work. And um, when you when you really look at it, it's actually, you know, not so scary. It can be really just, it's not, yeah, it's not as scary as, as one might think. And what you're describing is like being coachable too, like Mm. being in a space where you're able to be open to what might help you evolve and grow and heal is a really good place to be. (laughs) Like a really free, there's a lot of freedom in that and power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I remember being coached for like the first time and just feeling like, Ooh, I, I was like, I had like a notebook with me and like a pen and I was like starting to take notes. And, and my coach was just like, can you just like put down the notebook for a second and just like be present with me. And I just was like, I, I felt like terrified to like just be present and like, and just to be, and just to not like have this plan for the call or like not to have this like agenda and like just to really surrender to what wanted to be talked about and come up and and he was like he we talked about my avatar like what what my like facial expression was doing we were like he's like do you notice that like when you hop on the calls a lot like you're very you're just like you're always smiling or you're always like really in like uh you know you're in like a really happy place and I'm like yeah, it's almost like a defense mechanism for like shielding off, you know, what, like, I didn't want to look at some things, you know, like I want to just, I'm just happy. I'm good. Things are good here. I'm fine. But like when I dropped that act and just like showed up as I am, the tears started flowing, the, you know, feels started coming out and it was just so powerful. And it's something that I feel that everyone, every single person can benefit from. It's for everyone. Yeah, it Just absolutely is. Open openness. As we're wrapping this up, if there's one thing you could leave everyone with today, what would it be? Mm. Wow, what a good question. Let me just sit with that for a moment. I think the one thing that I would like to leave here with and share is just a reminder that we are such miraculous beings that that get to experience life and that like we have these physical bodies and this, and this experience and, and 
so much to be grateful for and in any given moment. And I think it's just, it's easy to get caught in the, my life's going to shit or things are really bad or, you know, things are really stressful, but like, can we just take a step back and like, look at the big picture of like, what's actually happening? Like we have these hearts that are beating. We have the, this, these lungs that are taking in oxygen. We have nature all around us. Like, can we just, yeah, just come back to gratitude and love for this, the miraculous being we are. Yeah. That's what I want to leave here with. (laughs) Diana, if people want to keep up with you, what's the best way for them to be able to do that? You can follow me on Instagram at dfernaris. I'm also on Facebook. um, And I also have a website, dianafernaris.com. I love connecting with people and I have an email newsletter. So feel free to subscribe to that. And I send out weekly, I call them weekly love letters. Um, And yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for for asking that. Yeah. And you'll be able to find all those links in the show notes, uh, everybody who's listening. And this has been such a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And it went so many places that (laughs) I wasn't necessarily expecting, but I'm glad that they did. Me too. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate our conversation as well. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for this. Thanks for being here. And this was Untap Keg. Share this episode with somebody who you think could benefit from it. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Tell us how, you know, how Diana did because she did amazing. So let's... (laughs) leave a review saying, bring Diana back. Um, (laughs) I I appreciate everybody who's listened to this and let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today because at least we don't make it. We tried. Have a great week, everybody. I love you.